what's the point anyway? Do I just try not to die? How do I win? There seems to be so much going on. I don't know what to avoid. I don't know what to do. How do I even do this whole gamer thing? What's the point anyway? Well, welcome to our new series, Gamer. So great to have you with us on this rainy day. Welcome Church Online. Can we say what's up to Church Online? Yeah, what's up Church Online? Uh, so we are, uh, we are a church that likes to have fun. We also love to explain the Bible in terms that make sense to us. And so uh, often, if you look at the, what? Oh, uh, if you look at uh, the Bible, if you look at the way Jesus taught, the way Paul explained the movement of Jesus, they often would say things like, the kingdom of heaven or God or Jesus is like this. And then they would tell a story. They would sometimes, Jesus would quote Hammurabi's code or Paul would use a Greek metaphor that everybody knew. And they would say it in a language that made sense. And everybody goes like, oh, I know what he's talking about. And so they would use modern connections to help tell a timeless story and the timeless truth of the Bible. And so we uh, just wanna say up front, our endeavor is not to water the, the Bible down. In fact, not at all. Uh, we teach the depth of the Bible pretty regularly, but we wanna make it make sense, especially to some of a culture and a generation that doesn't really know a whole lot about it. And so we have a series called Gamer because for the next five weeks, the kingdom of heaven is a lot like Super Mario World. It's a lot like Mario World. Think about it. There's a designer who designed the game that knows the actual purpose and function of the characters. There's a designer who knows how they best operate. There's gonna be some obstacles. There's gonna be some help and some power-ups and there's an end game. There's a reward, there's a purpose to it. And there are all kinds of connections to Mario world and the gamer world, just like there are to life. And so we're gonna take uh, ideas from video games, specifically the Super Mario Madness world, uh, which has now spanned two or three generations. And we're gonna connect it to the Bible. We're gonna connect it to our life. And we're gonna look at it again, kind of like we did for our Easter series through the lens of a character of the Bible named Paul. Um, Paul is accredited for writing almost two thirds of the New Testament. And so we're gonna journey that together. And so why did we pick Gamer? Because we think this is gonna help some of us, uh, if, if you don't know God, we think it's gonna help explain him in a way that makes sense. And if you do, I think it's gonna maybe help realign some perspective or really make sure that we're living the way that he wants us to live. And so every week, we think you're gonna get a lot out of it. And we want this to be a really, really easy way for you to invite one of your ones. Your ones, bring somebody to church because it doesn't make sense. So I have good news. If you love video games, you're gonna love this. I have other good news. If you're not a video game person and you hate video games, you're gonna love this. So it's for everybody. And so what's interesting is, as I've watched the progression um, of video games, it's kind of mirrored our culture. Um, originally, when video games came out, uh, there was this idea that they were for kids. But it turns out they're for a generation. Because my generation, I'm Gen X, I'm a, a young Gen X, I'm on the bottom end of that, are still playing some of the old school games. And we asked, I asked this week and we asked on social media, what was one of the first games you were exposed to? And um, man, did Gen X come out of the woodwork. Like y'all see generation X is pretty silent. Most of the time we let the boomers do their thing. We let the millennials do their thing. They just kind of put their head down and go. That's even what the, the generational studies, but you ask a question about a video game, all of a sudden Gen X came alive. So we're, I mean, I've never seen more posts about Pong and Frogger and, and Donkey Kong and Mario and all of those things. And, and some of you, you know, cause you played it. Some of you read about it in a history book, and some of you bought it for your kids. 
Um, but, but, but video games have changed because when video games first came out, when Mario first came out, the original Nintendo, this is my original Nintendo uh, controller, still got a Nintendo, still got Mario. That's right, we gotta be careful with this. This is like a, yeah, relic. Uh, well, you had to beat the whole game. And if you didn't, you had to go back to the beginning. And that was kind of how life was in the 80s. Like, you had to do it all, and if you didn't, like, you had to start over. Well, now we have video games where you can just respawn anywhere. There's no consequences to your action. You can jump in a hole, shoot some guys. If they shoot you, you get to start over. And it's interesting because we kind of see a little bit of that in generations. Like, oh, there's not really consequence to our action. We'll just pick up where we left off. And so you've seen games progress like we've seen life progress. And, and I, I remember one of my first game stories, my Mario story. Um, I remember how difficult Super, the original Super Mario Brothers was. For Nintendo, the number one, eight worlds, you had to save the princess. Uh, you saw a little bit of it uh, on the video. I remember um, we did not have a Nintendo growing up. Uh, we did not have that amount of money. Um, and we rented one like once a year, but my cousins had one. And so when we would go to my cousin's ranch, after we would do all the farm work, we would get to play Nintendo after the chores and after the, the, the work was done. And we would always play Mario and we could never beat it. And the way it worked is you had to continue all the way through eight levels, four worlds. You had to make it to the end. And if you'd lost your, all your lives, you had to go all the way back to the beginning. And it was just so frustrating. And I'll never forget the time we got the closest. We were playing and it was getting late at night and we, were, we had never made it to world eight with this many guys. We'd made it to world eight, level four. It's the last one. We're in the castle. We got guys and my aunt's like, okay, kids, it's time to go to bed. Now, here's what you need to know. There was no like save back then. There was no like, oh, we'll just save it tomorrow. Like you had to beat it. So we, now their Nintendo was in my aunt and uncle's room and they had a little TV. And so we uh, decided we had a plan. We were, you know, we were eight and we were smart. And so we decided we, um, we can't pause it. We can't uh, start over. So we just left the Nintendo on all night long. Uh, which is what you did back then, by the way. If you wanted your progress, you left it on. And so we left it on like first thing in the morning, we'll get up, we're gonna come play it. So we, we get up to the next morning to come play it. And unbeknownst to us, our aunt had seen a red light on in her room when she turned the lights off and thought we accidentally left. Thank you for that face right there. You feel, I feel like you feel my pain right now because you know what I'm about to say. Yeah, thank you, Janice. Uh, she saw this red, she's like, oh, they must have left the Nintendo on. Oh, you guys, the level of devastation. <laughs> but we couldn't be sad for too long because my cousin lost his mind at his mom. And what quickly went from anger about a game, we got concerned he was gonna lose his life because you do not talk to my aunt that way. And so, uh, but I'll never forget, like, I'm like, what are you thinking, mom? I'm like, I don't. I'm mad, but I don't think you should be saying that to your mom right now. Uh, and so that was one of my early, one of my early ideas, uh, uh, one of my early instances with a game. And so we're calling this thing Gamer uh, because Gamer actually has a couple of definitions and we're gonna invite you into both of these. Uh, and man, we really, if you're online, we want you to share this. We want you guys to, to, to participate in this and, and, and jump in with the fun. Um, so there's kind of two definitions for gamer. Why gamer? Why, as I mentioned, we're going to make the connections. But gamer is, uh, one definition is a, is a proactive hobbyist who plays games. A gamer is just somebody who plays interactive games, video games and stuff. That's kind of a thing. Like people now associate, I'm a gamer. They probably, I don't know, I don't know if they dress like this. Aren't these awesome though? These are so cool. Yeah. Straight from China, baby. Uh, like no middleman straight from China. Uh, 
So gamer is somebody who like has devoted a life to video games, a hobby. So there's even people now who get, make money and have careers being a gamer. But there's also, uh, and so we're gonna ask, we're gonna look at our life as if we we're in a game and kind of look at it through that lens. But there's also another connotation and context of the word gamer. And it's actually more in the athletic field. Uh, and it's somebody who um, gives a lot of effort and really delivers at a very high level. In fact, another definition of gamer is a person who is known for consistently making a strong effort. Uh, Michael Jordan was often referred to as a gamer. Tom Brady is a gamer. Pat Mahomes is a, a, a gamer. Derek Jeter was a gamer. These names are people who, when the, when the stakes were at the highest and the pressure was at the most and everything was on the line, they knew how to deliver and give maximum effort. And so as we look at this idea of your life being a game, we want you to be a gamer. We want you to be somebody who, when it's at the highest, when the pressure's there, when it's all in line, that you deliver at the highest level, but you do it in the context of the most important things and the things that Jesus has said are the most important for his life. We want you to make consistent, strong effort. And so, uh, so kind of the bottom line that we're gonna ask specifically in this service, but really in the whole series is this idea of a video game is kind of this question is gonna keep coming up. What are you playing for? And so if your life is a game, I would ask you, what are you playing for? Are you playing for retirement? Are you playing for a career? Are you playing for marriage? Are you playing for kids? Are you playing to get rid of the kids? Like what, what's your why? What's your purpose? What's your mission? I wanna start week one with that question. I wanna start there with, and, and I think we're gonna make some connections that are gonna make a whole bunch of uh, of, of context and, and really what's, what's driving you in your life? What's, what's really motivating? What is, what is worth your energy? What is worth your life? And if you're the character, let's call yourself the main character in your game. I'm gonna come back to this question in a minute. Who's controlling your character? Who's controlling your character? Are you in control? Are you, is, are you listening to the world around you tell you this is how you play the game and this is what success is and this is how you do it? Or have you placed the controller, your heart, your life in the, in the, in the designers? Because here's what I think is so fascinating. When you open, on, open a game up or turn a game on, there's a lot of ways you can go about it. But only the designer knows what it's really made for. Only the designer knows the way to get the maximum output. Only the developer and the architect knows how to use it. And we are really no different than a video game character. And you were created and designed by the designer, the grand architect, the God of the universe, who's full of love, who created you on purpose for a purpose. And you can either kind of roam around this open free life world, trying to figure it out and listening to all the voices go, no, it's about collecting coins. No, it's about making friends. No, it's about getting as many free guys. No, it's about, or you can actually go back to the designer, go back to the creator, go back to the architect, in this case, the living God, and go, hey, if you're the designer of me and you're the creator of life, why don't I put my life in your hands? Why don't I give you the controller? And why don't you tell me how to live my life? And when you do, I'm convinced that you will find a more satisfying life. You will find more peace, more purpose, more joy. I will not promise you it will be easier, but you will be fully alive and you will find this thing called purpose and you will live what you were born for. And it's the best way to live. And so we're gonna talk about that over the next five weeks. We're gonna talk about pausing and obstacles. I, I, I can't wait. And so um, what you need to know is I wanna start with the idea of a game. Now, if there was a video game called Mario World and the goal was just to run across this land and there were no coins, there were no obstacles, there were no bricks, there was no princess, I don't think that video game would make very much money because it's not realistic and there's no point. 
There's no, think about it as just like, hey, run around, and the longer you run around, like, we'll give you some points. There's no point to that. But what makes these video games, again, whether it's Madden or Call of Duty, we'll go with the Mario connection. So, so important is Mario starts out with this idea. Mario's not making a name for Mario. Mario has a mission that's bigger than him, doesn't he? What happened? His good friend, Peach, she's here somewhere. Right there she is. The princess, Peach, got kidnapped by the big, bad, evil Bowser. He's here somewhere. There he is. And now Mario is going to risk his life to save his friend. And it's the, it's the simplest idea, but it's the takeaway for this message. We're going to dive into it here in a couple minutes with a story. But Mario discovered the same thing that you'll discover really quickly as you're searching for a purpose in life is that your purpose is actually not about you. You have to find something bigger to live for than yourself. It doesn't mean it's going to come at the expense of you, but I'm going to say it again. Your purpose is not about you. And you have, that's the fundamental starting place. If you're looking for purpose in this life, your mission isn't about you. Yes, you're gonna collect coins. Yes, you're gonna get an education. Yes, you're probably gonna get friends and family along the way, but, you, but God wants to invite you and you were created to live for something bigger where you actually serve others, that you do something, that your mission is about somehow adding value to this beautiful world that God created. In fact, at the very beginning when he made it this garden, he said, I'm gonna put you in the garden. I want you to work it and take care of it. That's your purpose is to enhance the environment that he puts you in and that environment can change throughout your lifestyle. But for some of you, you've been looking for purpose and mission. And here's what I can tell you, even though I'm, I'm, I'm young and as in adult years, some of you are much older and wa- wa- older than me. Um, <laughs> if your purpose is only ever about you, it's never gonna be enough. There's no retirement, there's no lifestyle, there's no amount of money you could have. I know too many people that have climbed to the top of every world there is multiple marriages, multiple businesses, five, six, seven, eight figures worth of net worth, and they're miserable. Why? Because the whole game was about how can I collect and how can I accumulate? And if that's all you ever live for, you will regularly find yourself wrestling with depression and a lack of purpose. And, and, you're gonna, and it's gonna baffle you how people who have so much littler than you feel so fully alive because they've discovered the secret that they were created by a designer to not just have a full life themselves, but make their life about something bigger than themselves. And so today, I wanna invite you into that. I wanna look at a story. Um, you were made to live for something more. And the purpose that you're looking for is found in the mission of your life. And, and for all of us, I believe with my whole heart and the Bible is clear that is centered around this man named Jesus. So we've been telling Jesus' story through the Easter story and, and, and then. And so now I wanna take you a little bit further uh, into the book of Acts. I mentioned this last week, but the book of Acts is the beginning of the church. And the church was this really interesting time um, where the followers of Jesus actually became opponents of Judaism or the law of Moses. It was this really weird deal. And so you had these religious people, the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, they protected all the old religion, all the rules, all the stuff that Jesus said, you know what, I already accomplished all that. It's just love God, love people. In fact, actually it's just love people the way I've loved you. And so we're just gonna go be about that like on, on a whole nother level. And I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit, more on that in week uh, three or four. Uh, and it's gonna really empower you. You're gonna get some power-ups that are gonna help you do some stuff that you can't do on your own. Uh, power-ups are all about that. So if, if, if you're like, when are we gonna talk about that? We come week three or four, come all the weeks. What am I saying? Don't, don't skip a week. And so I wanna tell you about a fascinating man named Paul. Actually, his name used to be Saul. And if you don't know his story, it's, it's really fascinating and really compelling. And there's a few observations we can make about how Paul thought he was a gamer, but Paul was actually playing the wrong game. And some of us, we might be like Paul, where we're taking our education, we're taking our experience, our good, our bad. We're like, I am going. And Paul thought he was on the right path until he had a radical encounter with this guy named Jesus. 
And all of a sudden, Paul realized he was playing the wrong game. Paul was a gamer. He, he excelled. He did really well. Paul was very different than the disciples, if you've been with us. Paul was the top of the class. Paul was the best of the best, but he was in the wrong game. In fact, I wanna introduce you to this man named Paul. And so let's talk about Paul. I wanna read about a story where he meets Jesus. And then we're just gonna make some observations. And I believe that for, for many of us, the, my hope is that a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, several year narrative is gonna be when somebody goes, hey, what changed in your life? When, when did that purpose change? When did you start following Jesus? When did things really start to click? That many of you are gonna point back, go, you know, my, my crazy pastor did this series with Mario World. And I don't even remember what he said, but God used that to click some things into place. I believe, and I've been praying that God would just cut our hearts with truth and, and compel us and invite us into this great way to live. And so, um, so let's talk about Paul. So let me give you, I'm gonna talk about Paul's backstory. I'm gonna talk about Paul, how he met Jesus. And then we're gonna talk about like how it radically changed afterwards because I believe Paul is a picture that God has for all of us. If you feel like you've been playing the wrong game, if you got the wrong people in the wrong, the hands of the wrong controller, there's really, really good news. And Paul should give all of us all kinds of hope. So let me tell you just really quickly about Paul. This, and this, all this stuff kind of matters, especially for the historical context. Paul was both Jewish and Roman. Okay, why does that matter? Because he was an expert in the Jewish law. He had the, the Old Testament memorized. Uh, he would have been the best of the best in his class. He was actually a Pharisee. He was a religious elite. Um, he even brags later on that I, I followed and knew the laws better than anybody. He historically, when we look, this guy named Saul actually was his name. He excelled in every arena. Not only was he Jewish, but he was also his, uh, one of his parents was Greek, so he was Roman. So he understood the Roman law. So he understood the Roman. So he was this really unique hybrid of, I understand this little Jewish culture thing and I'm good at it, but I also get the Roman world and kind of was untouchable against either. The Romans liked him and used him and then leveraged him and the Jews did. And so he became a religious zealot and he was all about the law of Moses, all about the temple. And, and, and that was awesome until this guy named, and he lived at the same time as Jesus. And this guy named Jesus came and he said, you know what? We don't really need the old law anymore. We don't really need the temple anymore. I am all of it. I embrace all of it. Um, I'm not absolving it, but I came to fulfill it. So now it's about loving me and loving people. And so Paul quickly became a huge opponent of this new movement called the way. You read it first in Acts. Well, the way was, became what we know as the church. It was this community of believers who didn't go to the temple anymore all the time to pray and they broke bread and they didn't have to do sacrifices. And they're like, wait a minute, we don't have to do this. Jesus says, we just have to worship him. And so th there, there was this huge kind of rivalry among the Jews of, well, I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm of the temple model and I'm a Pharisee. And Paul was passionate. He actually had set out, Paul's life goal was to use his zeal, his Romanism, his Judaism, his education, his passion, his, all of it, to literally stop the church. He had, he had made his life. He, the game he was playing was, I'm gonna single-handedly destroy the church and anybody who's against it, we're gonna beat them, we're gonna throw them in prison, we're gonna kill some of them. And it's exactly what this guy named Saul did. In fact, there's one scripture that kind of um, talks about, in Acts chapter seven, it talks about this man named Stephen who was full of the spirit, he was one of the disciples, and he's talking to all the religious leaders. He's like, you guys kind of missed it. Like you killed Jesus. Like he said, this is coming. Moses predicted this. For as smart as you are, you didn't really get it right. And, it, and he used such wisdom that they, these religious leaders had no other thing to argue against. And so they just decided to stone him to death. It's a man named Stephen. It's in Acts chapter seven. And um, what you see is at the very end of the story, Acts chapter eight, verse one starts this way. It says, and Saul approved of their killing him. It's just one of the many examples in scripture where we see Saul is literally set out to stop Jesus, stop the movement of Jesus, stop the followers of Jesus. Now, I know most of us come in and we're like, pastor, I got some stuff. I got some shame. I got some sin. I've made some mistakes. As far as I know, you haven't set out to like kill every Christian and stop the church. 
because that's how bad Paul was. That's how off Paul was. Paul was really, really, really passionate about religion, but he completely missed Jesus. Come on, somebody. Paul was really, really passionate about religious preferences and man-made rules and duties, but he completely missed the heart and mission of Jesus. Why do I say that? Because I have found in my life of growing up in the church, it's really easy to miss Jesus and get caught up in religion. And here's the hardest part. Anytime I've ever heard it said, I always assumed they were talking to somebody else. But far too often they were talking to me. And so some of us, the biggest thing, I love you so much. Some of you, the biggest thing that's really causing you to miss Jesus is religion. And if religion has hurt you, confused you, damaged you, or it's, it's, it's seduced you, I wanna invite you to be free of it. And I want to invite you to be healed of it. And I want you to know that there's a Jesus that goes about things very differently than these man-made religious things. Oh, pastor, what do you know? How, what's the difference? Well, why don't you keep coming to church and join a group and we'll walk you through it. Amen. Like, we'll, we'll walk you through it. Because that's most of us. And so I just know, I just think there's some people who you either got caught up in religion or you got damaged by religion and Jesus wants to walk into your life. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, we're, we're not doing that. I'm about something so much different, so much bigger, so much better. So let's talk about Paul. So Paul was crazy. Paul, um, he hated the Christians, persecuted the Christians, uh, tried to stop the Jesus movement. And again, he was the top of the class. Are you with me on Paul? So that's Paul, that's Saul's backstory. And Jesus has already ascended into heaven. And Saul is on the road to Damascus one day, Acts chapter nine. And all of a sudden, he's invited to play a completely different game. Here's how the story goes. I got the scriptures on the screens you can watch. It says in Acts chapter nine. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the disciples. He went to the high priest and asked the high priest for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if they found any there who belonged to the way, that was the Christian movement, whether man or woman, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And if he took them as prisoners, they weren't feeding them well. There was beatings and floggings and murders. As he neared Damascus, okay, pause. So we understand what Paul's doing? He's gonna get a letter from the most important person to say, let me stop this thing. On his way to that meeting with the high priest, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And so they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. I'm not gonna talk about this long, but this is crazy. Jesus is already in heaven and is showing he can still reveal himself. Come on, somebody, even though he's not here. And Paul was set out to be Jesus's number one opponent. Could Jesus have wiped out his opponent in that moment? Yes. If you are here and you feel like Jesus's number one opponent, guess what? He doesn't wanna take you out. He wants to invite you in. He wants you to know. He wants to put you on mission for something far greater. He's not going to completely wipe you off the face of the planet. He just wants to refocus and rechannel all that passion, all that education. And man, I just, oh, there's so much I wanna say about this. 
I, I watch so many Christians that we've, we've drifted, our passions have drifted. We're still following Jesus, but I'm like, if you were half as passionate about loving Jesus and bringing people to the cross as you were about your ideology or your political ideology or whatever, I'm like, we would have already won the whole state. And that was Paul. So listen, there's no, I'm not, I'm not coming at you. I'm just saying there's something better. There's a better game. Be a gamer in the right game. That's what I'm saying. And so Paul is on his way to Damascus and Jesus shows up. And he's like, why are you doing this? He's like, who are you? He's like, I'm Jesus. And what's interesting is all the guys saw or heard him, but they didn't see it. And so then he goes and he, now he's, now he's, instead of taking out the church, he's met Jesus, he's blind and he's in Damascus. And watch what happens next. Because now God, this is where you see God's divine providence in many of our stories where, and this happened and this happened and this happened. And so here's what happens next. It says, uh, verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Now, some of you, you know the Bible really well. There's also an Ananias in chapter five, very different Ananias, in case you're ever confused about that. One of them died, this one didn't, okay. <laughs> named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision and said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he said. He said, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place hands on him and restore his sight. So God shows up in a vision, and I like, hey, the number one opponent of your movement is in your town. I need you to go pray for him. And he, it'll be okay, because I already showed him you in a vision. He knows exactly what you look like. Isn't that crazy? I'm so, it's, it's, Ananias responded the way we would. He said, Lord, I, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think you got the wrong guy. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done in your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest anybody who call on your name. So like, I don't know if you know this, but if I get close to this guy, I'm going to jail. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. Oh, I love this. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people to all Israel. Here's what, Paul, here's what God tells Ananias. The world sees somebody who's missed it. The world sees somebody who's lost their mind, lost their edge, has lost their focus. The world sees that everybody else, you see this opponent of the church. Let me tell you what I see, my chosen instrument. He's the instrument I'm gonna choose. He's gonna talk to kings. He's gonna talk to Gentiles. He's gonna talk to Jews. He's gonna help Peter start this thing called the church. Why do I tell you that? Because I know every weekend there are people who come here to church feeling like, man, I couldn't be more far gone. I've lost it. I've blown it. God would use anybody else. And I think I would invite you to say, stop listening to what the lies in your head and what the world is saying. And maybe just maybe, but probably you are his chosen instrument to be the chief character in his story while he controls your life. He wants you to be his chosen instrument. And what's true for Paul is true for every single one of us. Now, I'm not supposed to do what Paul did, just like you're not supposed to do what I did. But if you put your life, if you put your heart in the hands of the maker, if you put your controller in the designer, he knows exactly what he's gonna do. And so if you will become his chosen instrument, he will maximize your life in ways that you could never have come up with and the world has no idea because they didn't create you so they don't know what you're for. And so he says, this man is my chosen instrument. And he says, I'm about to show him what he's gonna suffer for my name. He says, then Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, Lord, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the power up. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and immediately was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. What? <laughs> he was ready to go end the Jesus movement. Jesus shows up on the road. He's like, ah, ah, ah. 
He's like, I'm gonna make you blind for a minute. You're gonna have to maybe endure some hardship for a moment, but I'm going to rescue you because I just need to show you this is me. I'm gonna send somebody else to be my instrument in your life so you know that your instrument in my life. He prays for him, he can see again, and Paul, all of a sudden, Paul has a radical encounter with Jesus. He's like, I missed it, but I'm in. Like, what do I gotta do? This, he met Jesus one time in all of his education and all of his zeal and all of his passion, it clicked and he was like, oh, can we uh, go back and try that again? Let's, let's try that again. And Paul, for the rest of his life, was playing a very different game. From that moment on, there's not one person in that time in history who led more people. In fact, he was the single-handedly led the global evangelization of the movement of Jesus. It's why we are here as Gentiles, most of us as Gentiles, a couple of you are Jewish, uh, but as Gentiles in another part of the world, because Paul was gonna end this thing and Jesus showed up. Paul thought he was going the right way. Paul thought he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And then Jesus showed up and really, really became real in his life. And he said, I'm in, I'm committed, I'm about it. I'm gonna be with you. And, he, and what was his first thing? He's like, let's find some water. Got baptized. This is all in chap, Acts chapter nine. You should read the whole book of Acts, by the way. It'll light you on fire. Not literally, but, but close. I wanna show you a few verses later in, in Acts. I wanna show you what happened. So you have the before, you have the encounter with Jesus, and then all of a sudden, after he meets Jesus, it's like game on. He's the gamer. He's the gamer, and he's playing the right game. Uh, verse 21, if you jump ahead, it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, and none of them, tr <laughs> none of them trusted him at first. It's really funny when you read it. Uh, it says, all of those who heard him were astonished and said, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among all who called on his name? And hasn't he come here to take us as prisoners uh, to the chief priests? So they were like, we know your game, dude, you're a spy. And he's like, no, I swear. Like, I'm, I'm on your team, I'm on your side. Okay, yeah, right. And this is where you see uh, a really cool dude named Barnabas who had the respect of the entire community. He vouched for Paul. Sometimes you just need one person to vouch for you and everybody else says, yeah, we got, he's a part of this. So Barnabas was that voice. He's like, no, no. So it's like, well, we don't trust Saul, but we trust Barnabas. And if Barnabas says this is legit, it's legit. And so uh, verse 26 and 27 says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him by the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And in Damascus, he had preached fearly to the name of Jesus. So Paul, immediately after meeting Jesus, right after he was baptized, before he even meets the disciples, he's like, by the way, I already told a whole bunch of people about Jesus. And they all said like, yeah, I'm in. Cause they were like, if Jesus could get through to that guy, maybe there's hope for me. And I'm telling you Saul's story because if Jesus could get through to that guy, there's so much hope for you. If there was anybody Jesus could have wiped off the planet, it was the guy who was gonna end the Jesus movement. You know what he did? Instead of shame him, he just reshifted his focus and leveraged everything that he had built up to up to that point. You don't need to start your family over. You don't need to go back and get a different degree necessarily. You don't need to just unlearn everything you learn. All you need to do is give Jesus permission to use everything you got in your toolbox and go, just use it now for your glory, for your kingdom. Let me build your kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's no longer I that live, but you and me. I wanna be about what you're about. That's what, that's what this thing's about. And so I wanna show you immediate, the immediate effects of Paul's encounter with Jesus at the end of Acts. Here's how it ends. It says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, that's respect for the Lord, not real fear, and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. What happens when somebody who's playing the wrong game, Jesus gets a hold of their life, we put our controller of our life, our heart in his hands, and we let him be the one who's controlling the character? 
the church grows, the followers of Jesus grow, and, oh yeah, peace, strength in numbers, strengthened, good things happen to those people, and good things happen to those communities. This is a picture of what we are still about in Cape Coral 2,000 years later, that we want to make sure that we are playing the right game and that we wanna be the gamers that God has created us to be, but it all starts with this idea of, I gotta make sure that he's the one that's controlling my character. I gotta hand the control over. And every morning when I get up, it's sitting there on the floor, and I reach up, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be the day here. Every day. It's not a one-time decision. Every day, I gotta decide, am I gonna chase turtles and mushrooms? Am I just gonna go get coins all day long? Or is there some people to save? So you could jump in the Mario world and here's what happens. You could chase coins all day long. You could get all the money, but eventually you run out of time. And guess what? There's still some people in trouble that need saved. And Jesus, when we pray, often we pray, Jesus, help, we wanna reach the city. You know what his response is? Are you giving me permission to use you then? Because I want you to be the instrument in my hands. So who's controlling your character? We all have a Paul-type story somewhere in our story, whether we've experienced it yet or not. Let me make a couple of just real quick observations as we close. I love that God used Paul's past and refocused it on God's purposes and God's mission. Some of you, you're too quick to disqualify yourself because of your past, whether you were the top of some other class or the bottom of some other class. Well, the good news is we, for four weeks, we talked about the guys who were at the bottom of the class and Jesus used them. Now we're looking at the guy who was the top of the wrong class and Jesus used him. So it looks like Jesus has a plan for everybody. He loves everybody, wants to use everybody, and he has something great for you to do. He just wants you to make, he just wants you to put your control in his life. He wants you to put the control in his hands. He wants you to make sure that you prioritize living and having a relationship with him first. Paul didn't have to start over. Here's a couple of really cool things. And I think there's some of you, you need to be encouraged with this. What, Ma, what made Paul dangerous before Jesus is what made him great after he made Jesus, met Jesus. What made Paul dangerous before Jesus made him great, made him effective, made him powerful. Some of the things that made you dangerous and have gotten you into trouble, if you will put that in God's hands, let him heal, forgive, redeem, restore it, he will actually use it not just for your benefit, but he will actually probably help you walk other people who've been through the same things you have. I'm watching several of you nod your heads because that's your story. The other good news is your weakness and your liability can become a strength when it's in the hands of Jesus. Paul became the guy who started churches in Gentile cities. Gentile means weren't Jewish. That had never happened before. He went to people who had never been invited into this thing and he invited them in. And he started writing a bunch of letters to cities and churches, Corinth and Galatia and Philippi and, 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 and uh, Thessaloniki. And those are where we get most of the letters in the New Testament. And one, in one instance, Paul writes this, and here's the key. And this is where the start, this is where being a gamer starts. It's, and, it's, and Paul said it in, in Galatians chapter 220, it's that daily decision. He says, therefore, it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. He says, every day, that thing's plugged in. We have wireless controllers now, it's awesome. So I grab that controller and he goes, I'm not even gonna try. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna, I know the BAB up down, BAB, I know all the codes. I know how to get coins. I know how to crush shells. But Lord here, you, you be the one that's in control of my character. You're the one that calls the shots. I'm gonna follow your leading. I'm not gonna listen to this crazy world that has no clue what they're doing. 
I'm gonna go to the architect, I'm gonna go to the designer, and I wanna do this thing. I believe that there are people who need my help, there are people to be saved, and you wanna use little old me, messed up me, not good enough me, failed too many times me, too young me, too old me, too whatever me. Yeah, that's exactly who Jesus wants to use. And you will be blown away what will happen if you put the control of your life in his hands. So as we close, just a couple of thoughts. Some of us are just playing the wrong game. We're, we're playing the wrong, we are, we are listening to the world. The world is saying, you gotta do this. You gotta have that. You gotta do this. You gotta have that. Don't do this. And I wanna invite you to join the real game. I want, you to, I, want you to, I want to invite you to join the kingdom of the creator, the kingdom of the designer, the kingdom of the architect who deeply loves you, made you in his image, has plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to use you in ways that he can't use anybody else on the planet and it will be enough to satisfy you and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. And if you think you're too far gone, the first thing he's gonna do is heal and forgive you. And then he wants to take everything you, you have and he's, if you lay it at his feet, he wants to use it to bless other people. Well, yeah, but pastor, what about me? That's the beauty of this thing. It doesn't make sense, but he's gonna more than take care of you as you help save and take care of other people. So some of you are in the wrong game. And today I'm just gonna say a prayer. I wanna invite you to, 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 give your, to give the controller to Jesus. Say, you play, have my heart, have my life. It's not a belief, it's, it's a surrender. Like I want you to be the one that, that, I, that runs the show. I wanna invite some of you, a second group, you're in the game. You said yes to Jesus. I know the architect, but you're, you have no direction. You are running all through Mario's world. You're going over obstacles. You're hitting all the coins, chasing all the coins. You're, you're doing all the things, but you don't, you don't really let him control the character and, and you've, you've missed your purpose. And so I believe there's gonna be people here this weekend, like you've hit the top of every echelon and it's just never been enough. Can I just simply invite you that I think what you've always been missing is the relationship with Jesus and the peace and the purpose that comes with that. So if you're in the wrong game, just to say yes to Jesus. For some of us, we're like, I know. Like you believe in Jesus, you're saved, you've been baptized, but you're living life your way. Maybe this is a great moment and a great time to, to be reminded that today, I need to put the controller back into his hands. A lot of you may, a story, oh, pastor, he used to have the controller. Cool, he's not gonna shame you. If he didn't smite the guy who was against him, he's definitely not gonna be like peeved at you. He's just simply going, if you give that to me, I, I know what to do with this. I know what to do with your heart. I know what to do with your past. I know what to do with your future. Trust me, I know what to do. Let me, let me throw out a couple of ideas. Because whatever you have for you, some of the things we've made goals are actually just part of the process. The mission isn't just to get married. The mission is to be a great husband or wife. The mission isn't to have kids, but it's to be a great mom or dad and parent and generation who can add value to the community and show people about Jesus. The mission isn't to be a successful entrepreneur. He can use that, but it's to have wealth that helps build the kingdom. The mission isn't to retire. It's to be in a position where you can help serve and be generous to so many other people who need what you have. Whatever the things that are in your heart and in your mind, God's not gonna say it's wrong. He's just gonna make sure that you have the importance. If the goal is to get married, that's gonna be really, really disappointing. But if the goal is to be an amazing husband or wife, that's a mission worth following every single day that brings hope and adds value. Do you see what I'm saying? So most of the things that we're chasing, there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves, but they become too much of the focus. And, and I'm just saying, let's put this thing back in Jesus' hand and go, here, Jesus take, I know there was a country song called Jesus Take the Wheel. Somebody should write a song called Jesus Take the Controller. I'd listen to that song. Ask yourself this question. Is my life, is my mission, is my purpose, is it to just to make my life better and my life easier? If so, I just wanna 
lovingly invite you that you might be missing it. And there's a whole lot more. God wants to take care of you. He's gonna take care of you. And in the process, he wants you to be a part of what he's doing, which is trying to lead all people to him and know of his love and build his kingdom. So I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask the same question I asked at the beginning. Who's controlling your character? If you think about it, there's kind of a double meaning to that question, isn't there? Who's, who's calling the shots? Who's, who's telling you the things that are most important to you? Who's controlling your life? Every weekend, we give people an opportunity to introduce themselves to Jesus. And I wanna make that invitation now. But I also wanna invite some of you to just take a minute and just self-identify. I'm in the game, but I'm running around. I'm just running around. And I need to get back on mission. I need to get back on focus. The mom, the dad, I need to use my career to advance the kingdom, not use the career to advance my kingdom. And if that's you, I just wanna invite you and go, Lord, repurpose me here and now. And so I'm gonna invite everybody, including online, to bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you just wanna just it, it humbly say, God, God loves humility. He loves to meet us at a point of, of acknowledgement. If you just wanna say, Corey, I'm one of those. Like, pray for me, get me in on this prayer. I either need to put the controller in Jesus' hand or I need to put it back in his hand. I'm just running around. You're, you're talking to me tonight. I, I, wanna, I want to be different when I leave this place. Just slip your hand up real quick and put it back down. Pastor, you're praying for me. I see hands all over the place. You can online, digitally, you can just click the hand, hand raise. I just wanna say a prayer and I wanna invite you to say this with me. Heavenly Father, I give you the controller to my life. I surrender. I wanna be who you made me to be. And I want my focus to be you. Help me to live for something bigger than myself. Help me to live for you. Come into my life, use my past, use my skills for your kingdom, for your glory. Thank you for never giving up on me. In Jesus' name, amen.